0: All right, everyone, welcome. Episode 8, Devil's Army Cast, July 20th today. Episode 8 for me, jersey number Dana Zubris. I loved it. I was a big Zoob guy back in the uh, – few years back. Chris, you got yeah, number Zubris eight.
1: Yeah, Zoobris was a good one. Eight. Uh, does Will Butcher wear eight number eight? Does he wear he eight? He does. Eight? Okay. That's, yeah. He does indeed. Okay. So you go with the Mr. Will Butcher. My English got a little messed up there, but you knew what All I meant. <laughs>
0: yeah, I got you. Um, so a little housekeeping. You notice you're just – you just heard two voices. It's me, James, as well as Chris. What's we'll saw it Four, is Yep. Yeah. Corey is taking a step away. Um, He's been real busy with stuff, so he's going to be more working behind the scenes. So you won't be hearing him as often. We'll be opening that third chair up to other people at the blog and other guests and stuff. So today, you'll just hear our two beautiful voices. So I'll give you a quick rundown of what we're going to be speaking about on this episode. We're going to start, as always, with current news. We're bringing back the best player from segment. We're going to look at teams in the Central Division. We're going to have another segment of we call it devil's prospect roll call. We're going to examine the rest of 2019 draft class, devil's draft class. See how they're doing, what they're up to have my prospect corner. We got two Germans on tap and a Swede, and we're going to end it with uh, two defensive restricted free agents down in Binghamton.
1: It's going
0: to be fun. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm excited for the best player. That was a fun segment last time we ran it. But first, like I said, current news, The first thing that came up this week was they released the game schedule like the preseason expedition games. They're starting July 28th and they're going to run until the 30th. The first day on the 28th, 4 to 10.30, the 29th, they're noon to 10.30 and then the 30th, they're 4 o'clock in the afternoon to 10 o'clock at night. I'll read you the matchups real quick. It's a, You, you can see by the matchups, they did it based on geography. Once again, these games mean nothing. They're just kind of preseason tune-up games. We got Philly versus Pittsburgh, Toronto versus Montreal, Tampa versus Florida, Carolina versus Washington, Islanders versus the Rangers, Boston versus Columbus. Out west, we have Edmonton versus Calgary, Colorado versus Minnesota, St. Louis versus Chicago, Winnipeg versus Vancouver, Nashville versus Dallas, and Arizona versus Vegas.
1: I'll take any hockey right now.
0: I'll take any sports that's not soccer. I'm getting sick and tired of watching the MLS, <laughs> I, man. I
1: give you credit. I'm not a big soccer guy. I can't really pay attention to I it. I <laughs> am
0: not either. Not one bit. But, I mean, you got some MLS kicking off at 8 and 10 tonight. That'll, that's what I'll be watching. There back. you go. Nothing else going on. But I'm sure I'll be complaining about that later. But All right. Moving on. Enough about that soccer talk. We don't want too much of that. So, the next thing I wanted to talk about, Pete DeBoer, head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights now will name their first team captain in team history this before next season so chris who do you think is going to be the next uh the first ever team captain in las vegas golden knights history
1: um I feel like it's between two players, and I'll, I'll say Derek Englund if he's still there um, just because he's the Vegas native. And uh, I have no
0: idea if he's still there. Yeah. I, I, I can't, do not I think can't, you're going to say him.
1: I can't remember if he's still there or not. Um, I'm going to say because he was the Vegas native, and he wasn't too bad when, when he got there. But uh, the other I was thinking about was maybe Marcia, so he might be the other one. So, All
0: right. I got two different, uh, totally different players, so that's good. There we go. Let's um, make it spicy. Yeah, so I'm trying to look up. Look up if Angle and Steven's still playing for the Knights. I don't even know. But So my two players are Mr. Mark Stone. We've talked about him a lot. He's one of the most underrated players in the whole entire league. They locked him up. I think he signed a seven-year extension or something yeah, crazy. Yeah, I think so he's gonna pretty soon after
1: they got him from Ottawa, they did, yeah.
0: Yeah, and he's probably arguably the best player on their team. So for me, when I look at captain, I'm looking for someone going to be there a while, and they're pretty good. Um, Stone doesn't have the playoff experience, I guess, that you want in a captain. I... Don't think he got there much with Ottawa. And no. so, and my other guy is Max Pacioretty, Um He's yeah. been in the playoffs, he's seen it all. He's, he's one of their better players. And a big exactly. market
1: too. Yeah, Montreal, Montreal. they don't play around. Nope. I mean, I think he and Gianta, they both had to learn how to speak French as captains, basically.
0: That's crazy. But, um, yeah, Pacioretty, has got the experience as captain. He's also a pretty good player in his own right, and he's also locked up for a while. I didn't know that. He's 31 years old, and I think he's locked up for the next, like, six years there in Vegas. So,
1: Engelin currently is with the team. He's an assistant captain, but his contract is up at the end of this season, so he's a UFA this summer. He's
0: probably old, too. Was he, like, 36 he's now? He's
1: 38, so. Yeah. Yeah, so he, I mean, there's a, there's a a chance this. they don't go with him even if they re-sign him.
0: That's so. a good reasoning, though. Um, I forgot that whole England uh, hometown guy and stuff. So I like that. But, yeah, he seems like he'll probably be retired after this season. But That's your uh, your Derek Anglin update in case those are keeping tabs on oh, yeah. Derek England.
1: <laughs> he's going to so, be joining a crowded free agent pool of defensemen, baby.
0: One that the Devils should not stay away. Like I said, I think he's going to retire, but that's besides the point. Alrighty. So they're also starting to release Frank Savervalli's been tweeting them out, uh, finalists for different regular season awards. Of course, a few episodes back we had our own season awards episode, so it'll be interesting to see how our picks match up. The three Calder announced uh, Calder Trophy, the rookie of the year finalist hour announced is Quinn Hughes, Dominic Kublak, the Chicago Blackhawks rookie, and Kale McCarr. Notice how there's no Adam Fox on this list, which I think is a bit of a snub. i yeah. prefer to see Fox on here and not Kublaiq. Kublaiq's had well, an no. amazing year, but I think Fox did should deserve deserved it over him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised to see um, that it's Hughes, McCarr, and Kubelik. Um I, I basically expected it to be those three based on how the conversation and just the league was going, but Adam yeah. Fox definitely uh, – <laughs> He's probably your first man out in that situation, if you're looking at it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, for me, I would have had Hughes, Fox, McCarr, but either way, uh, Fox wouldn't have wanted. That would have been it's crazy.
1: Just... Three defensemen competing for the Calder. I can't remember the last time that's happened. I mean, let alone no, I two. Don't,
0: I don't know. Adam Fox, he's terrific, though. You hate to see it because he's on the Rangers, but I mean, the kid, that's a great signing for them. But we're going to move on to the Jack Adams Award. Bruce Casty of the Boston Bruins, John Tortorella of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and Elaine Vigneault of the Philly Flyers are on there. Hey, two Metro teams. Uh, <laughs>
1: yep. Oh yeah. Metro stacked
0: best. <laughs> yeah, of they mark. are.
1: You've been saying it for the longest time.
0: I agree. They are. Um, for me, I think Tortorella's got a word. I don't really know why Cassidy's on here. I know the Bruins had great this year, but I feel like there was better candidates elsewhere. Just people, yeah. uh, people that did better with what they had. I mean, the Bruins, they got the firepower, but like a team yeah. like the Canucks, um, Maybe someone like that but I mean maybe whatever. people
1: Look at it as like They didn't have a Stanley Cup hangover From getting there But at the same time When you look at their yeah. roster There's no reason They should have yeah, So yeah, no, no. it's not like The Devils in 2012 Where they just like Basically imploded In the off season <laughs> <laughs>
0: But um all right, yeah, we're going to move to the award, uh, Ted Lindsay Award. This is MVP award, but it's NHLPA voted, so it's voted by the players, if I'm not mistaken. The Hart Trophy yeah. is the other MVP award, and that's the, the main one I'm yeah, guessing the they voted on league, by. Uh, uh,
1: the Lindsay is the Players Association. Yeah. So the finalists for this are Leon
0: Dreisaitl, Nathan McKinnon, Artemi Panarin. I don't see any arguments there. Um, wow. uh, good to see Panarin getting credit. I mean, yeah. I'm... He, he was terrific this year. Uh, we talked about him briefly. Wonder if I don't think i will be the same three for the heart. I don't think you'll see Panarin, but who knows. Lady Bing Award is basically, I like to call, the least amount of penalty minutes and the best player award. Kind of like put them on the chart and whoever is looking good, that's who you're going to pick. Um, you Nate basically McKinnon. see the
1: same players every year.
0: Yeah, it's those that don't pick up a lot of penalties. Maybe one day if Nico Hishir gets... Uh, Gets that point total up. He doesn't usually take a lot of penalties. You can may maybe see him on this list. But I mean, who knows? you haven't
1: even read the list. I'm going to assume Ryan O'Reilly's on there.
0: Oh, he is. He's yep, every I year, was. man. <laughs> um, Austin Matthews and Nathan McKinnon are the other two. So that's your Lady Bing finalists, Masterson Trophy, and man, what a what a threesome you have here. Steven Johns, Limbaugh of the Flyers and Bobby Ryan. Bobby Ryan had came back from he went to the NHL, he went through the NHL rehabilitation program. I think the program's for those who struggle with drugs and alcohol, I believe. Yeah. Limbaugh, of course, he got diagnosed with cancer and Stephen Johns had an ongoing battle with depression, um, head injuries and stuff over these past couple of years. And he was able to come back and play the season. Those are three great candidates, all terrific stories. If you aren't familiar with them, I would read up on them. Um, just, just great. And then also, Shea Theodore is a guy that wasn't mentioned here. Shea Theodore is a really good player. We've talked about him a couple of times. He's a great defenseman, very underrated. And not many people know he was diagnosed with testicular cancer last summer. Oh yeah, that's um, right. So he played through that and he had a good season. Um he's but yeah, a lot out of, of good Vegas, candidates right? here. Yeah, his defenseman yeah. now in Vegas had a terrific year, but those are three candidates there. All great candidates. Glad to see those uh feel good stories. So we'll move on now. That's all the award finalists that were announced. Maybe more popped up. I just haven't seen them. I'm sure they'll keep popping up over the next couple of days. But yeah,
1: I'm sure the awards aren't gonna happen anytime soon, so they got time.
0: Yeah. Um, next, the New Jersey Devils or the Binghamton Devils re-signed forward Ryan Schmelzer. We announced this on the page if you guys haven't seen it. Schmelzer's fine. He had a uh, decent year for the Binghamton Devils. He serves in like a bottom six penalty killer role. He had 24 points in 52 games, so good to see them bring him back. He's a nice little uh, – one of them grinders is – He's smaller, but he's one of those getting the dirty areas type players, penalty killing, all that good stuff. So good to see him rewarded for his hard work this year. Igor Sharangovich is being loaned to the KHL. Sharangovich had also a very nice season in his own, right? He had 25 points in 57 games, which doesn't seem impressive. But he had 25 points a year before in like 70 games. So his point total would have improved. This kid has a shot to develop and maybe like a fourth line PK role for the Devils down the road. I mean, yeah, who knows? But this KHL loan will be good for him.
1: I noticed in the preseason last year when we had a lot of these guys up, we actually had like a decent talent of at least prospect forwards in the system. The Devils pool
0: is as deep as it's been in years um shero i know he was fired and what, whatever you want to say about him but he did a good job building the pool up after lou lamoureux basically left in shambles but it's yeah, great to see the devils have a good at the prospect pro or, pool nowadays or the
1: minor level either so great job there
0: Yeah. So other news on Twitter, I don't know if you guys saw it yesterday, but the Rogers Center seems broken. Um, There's a video of major flooding um, and damage coming from the roof. The roof kind of like fell in a little bit over like a concourse and water is pouring in. Supposedly they had bad storms up in Edmonton. And at first I looked at it, I'm like, oh, man, that stinks. Still fix it up. But then I realized, hey, Edmonton's supposed to be a hub city. So um, that's that. Yeah. The Oilers released it or I think it was the Rogers Center Twitter account released a statement saying it won't affect the Hub City plans. But we shall see. I, I don't sneak. see how it
1: should. I mean, yeah, they'll get if, that if fixed you just got quick. a ceiling that broke and, you know, rain leaking. in. as long as you can get it patched up, like well, it was can still ice. Did you the ice. see the video? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it looked pretty bad, but. <laughs> and there's um, not
0: going to be any fans, so you don't have to worry about that as well. Yeah, they'll fix the it. Victory. It's just funny fans. seeing like what well, the chance of that happens to that the arena. Entrance, so. <laughs> yep. And the last thing I want to speak about is I saw this before I hopped on here to record is per the Kings of the podcast podcast, Mike Futa appeared on there and he said that he was between, it was between him and Tom Fitzgerald as a finalist for the New Jersey Devil journal manager position. He said the interviews spanned over a five week period and they were all over zoom. Futa was a great candidate in his own right. Um, it didn't work out. They brought Fitzgerald on which we all know, which is totally fine. But yeah, just a well note there on uh who was the finalist on the GM candidates. So that's all the news I have. Chris, you find anything cool you want to mention or anything happened this past week hockey wise?
1: Nothing I really saw other than the awards and Edmonton kinda of just having the roof come in. Um I thought it was funny how you remembered Minneapolis and the snow causing the dome to cave in back in the day. I remember crazy. you mentioning that in the chat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was insane that video is just crazy the thing just falls and the snow comes bursting through but yeah if you guys don't know what we we're talking about the old Minneapolis where the Minnesota Vikings play football their dome collapsed a few years back when no one was in it because of snow but
1: it happened uh, a couple times too
0: <laughs> yeah that place was a piece of garbage They need a new stadium badly but all right, moving on. First real segment, we're bringing back, like I said, the best player from. We're going to look at Central Division teams. The I think it was two episodes ago, or technically three, because we had that special episode in there. We yeah. talked about the Pacific Division. Now, like I said, we're going to run through the Central. We'll start off with the St. Louis, uh, St. Louis Blues. We're going to give you our picks as the team's best player. Give him like a second best runner-up type And if you have any honorable mentions you want to talk about But Chris, go ahead You can lead us off here with the Blues
1: So uh, my first one's going to be Ryan O'Reilly He's, he's number one um, And yep. then for number two I was torn between two players uh, I ended up leaning towards Alex Petrangelo Because I do think okay. that it's basically In terms of your top defenseman I think it's between him and Carlson For Washington That's just my opinion um we'll see if you mention who the other person is i was thinking about well i want to okay. hear what you got
0: so my number one is ryan o'reilly he had a terrific year again 61.71 games right tbt to win that dumpster fire of buffalo traded him for some prospect name like sam Fu or something like that yeah they're never gonna, gonna live that,
1: that down yeah that was bad
0: <laughs> ryan o'reilly's terrific he wins awards every year plays both mzi's 21 minutes a night he's a great player my second guy i went with is i went with colton perenco ah, okay. i didn't go petrangelo perenco is one of the most underrated defensemen in the whole entire league his fancy stats are terrific alex petrangelo you could argue too i mean yeah. everyone loves petrangelo you just hear him more and he's the captain so i think that's why he gets all the attention but colton's got a good bomb
1: there yeah, yeah he's a has great shot.
0: On. He's more of a defensive guy than Petrangelo is, but yeah, I love Parenko. Um He's a great player.
1: That interestingly was not the other guy I was considering. I was considering Bennington.
0: Oh well, he's my third yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, I have him down. on him. my third guy. So you need a good goalie, and Bennington certainly won. the Blues. I mean, they're gonna they have a chance to repeat. They're uh, not repeating. back, yeah.
1: man, that's not even fair. <laughs> they won last year, right? They were Yeah, they they won it all last year, and I'm yeah. pretty sure they were in like first place, like. I think in the West they were in first and they didn't have Tarasenko for most of the season. And now he's going to be back <laughs> struggled too
0: in the beginning of the season and they still did perfect. But yeah, he's coming back now. The blues have a real good shot too. And I'm cool with that. I'm a, I'm a St. Louis blues guy. I like rooting for them. on the side, but that sums up our St. Louis blues guys. Should we agree with Ryan O'Reilly being the top and I had Perenko, and you had Mr. Petrangelo there. And then we both agreed Bennington's a guy that should get some, uh, Referencing as well, move on to the Colorado Avalanche. I think this might have been the easy, easiest one to pick as terms yeah. of their top player, Mister Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, I mean he's a Hart Trophy finalist, gonna be probably. He's a Ted Lindsay finalist. He has a real shot at it. times I mean, too. Sixty three points and sixty nine games played. Huh, that's a very good outfit. And their next leading scorer, I think, was like fifty five points, and it was Mister Kale McCarr. He was a yep. defenseman, rookie defenseman?
1: I didn't I knew McCarr was good, but I didn't know he was second on that team in scoring. That was literally my one two was McKinnon and McCarr. <laughs> that is mine
0: as well. And I have Mika Rantan sitting at three who's banged up this year. He's gonna be healthy, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, the abs were banged up in general. You had Landis Gog out too. You had like two thirds of that, you know, trio basically out most of the season.
0: Yeah, so I think that's an easy one, two, three there. You got McKinnon, McCarr and Rantanen as well. Great.
1: Chris. Yeah, 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 I do.
0: So we're going to move on to the Dallas Stars Man, their offense was miserable This year, huh? Yep All right, Chris Go ahead, give us your one, two And
1: three So I'm interested to see how you react to this But um, I have Miro Heisken In at one, and then uh, Ben Bishop As their second best player I don't Um, have either Of the two big guns that they pay a lot of money to I think they're too inconsistent To be honest
0: I have Tyler Sagan one and Tyler Sagan, I know he led the team in scoring only at fifty points, but I mean Segan's one of the best forwards there are in the whole league. I know he had a down year but the yeah. whole entire starter's offense did. I still have him one. My second one was between two defensemen. It was Heiskanen and Mr. John Klingberg. Yeah, I, I thought Klingberg. I Klingberg too. Klingberg is like Perenko one of the most underrated defensemen in the whole entire league. His production offensively was down again this year, but he's usually like a 40-point player a season, 50 maybe. He only had 32 points in 58 games. And the reason why I went him over Heiskanen is I looked at my fancy nerd chart and Klingberg's was slightly better, so that's why I gave him the edge there. And then third, I had Mr. Ben Bishop.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, there were, I was legitimately considering going two defensemen there, Heiskanen and Lingberg, uh, Klingberg, excuse me. Um, but I, I figured, you know, I looked at Ben Bishop and his stats were – all right. I mean, he didn't have necessarily the wins that Bennington did, but his save percentage is up there. Um, his goals against against average well, compared to the ben rest Bishop, of the league is respectable. So,
0: Ben Bishop's probably going to be a Venza uh, uh, finalist. He could be at one of them three. Yeah, he could be. He a had dozen like a nine-two something this year, like a nine-two-two, I think, which mm. was one of the better in the league. But um, yeah, Bishop's great. He's been. He was. Remember that trade that Tampa sent him over? Which is fine. They had Vasilevsky yeah. in the system, and he's been great since uh, Bishop left. But they traded him for Cord Conacher, correct?
1: Yeah, and, and Conacher, I think, was someone they had before in the system, so they already kind of knew what they were getting back as well.
0: So, yeah, that was an interesting trade. But moving on, next team, we've got the Winnipeg Jets and – we do have the Winnipeg Jets, yes. Okay, just making sure. looking Very, at names, yeah.
1: very <laughs> difficult team to, to pick two yeah. best players, i to be honest. Now, the
0: Winnipeg Jets should not, like, what they did this year, having a wa- locking down, like, if it was a regular season wild card spot, should not have happened. They are not a good hockey team. Their defense is miserable. It's crazy. The reason why they're there is because Connor Hellbuck, and that's my number one here, and Connor Hellebuck is my pick for the i believe i said he was my pick for the um doesn't that a word he, he's the reason why the jets are yeah. in the position they are hit a 9 save percentage in front of it behind the defense that was horrific you look at their expected goals against their coursey against look at their shots against it's all one of the worst in the league so he did a hell of a job there this for year sure number two i had mark shifley um he had 73 points in 71 games it was i believe 22 points more than the next guy in there actually no i lied i don't know why i have that there but his fancy stats are really impressive too shifley and then my last guy my honorable mention was mr kyle connor who's a really good young player that not a lot of people talk about but go ahead chris who do you have
1: yeah so i'm in agreement with you on number one uh connor hellebuck and i believe we were also in agreement uh on that episode we both believe he he, he will and he should win the Vezina this year. Um, not to mention his his bounce back at the beginning of the year, he was dealing with some adversity where they were debating on Brassois being, you know, the guy because he had a, a good, hot couple starts, I guess, and Hellebuck was struggling. And you see him turn around uh, with a defense in front of him that lost Bufflin, Myers, like Trouba, um, huge pieces of the decor so uh we're basically on the same page about hellebuck and then for number two i was thinking about mr shifley as well but i ended up going kyle connor instead so i just have him in a different pecking order and the main difference was i looked at kyle connor i saw his even strength goals versus shifley's uh he was he was decently ahead of him and that's kind of what made me lean towards kyle connor instead
0: so. Yeah, it's, I think you could interchange them too. Um, but yeah, the Winnipeg Jets—they overperformed on what they should be, and that's largely because Connor Halbach. Kind of like what happened yeah. in New Jersey here. The reason and then, why people thought Elaine yeah. Nazradine did a good job is because Mackenzie Blackwood's out here standing on his head the last few weeks, and even Corey Schneider played well in his few games up towards the yeah. end of the season. But just another example where goaltenders just single-handedly are out here winning new games, and
1: that's what—it's huge. For I what mean, I it'll get you—it'll get you a cup too. We've seen it
0: yeah um, who they have Calgary in the first round and return to play playoffs um, I got Calgary in that matchup a little more about that next week but yes. until then we're going to be moving on here we got the next te- uh, team which is the John Hines led Natural Predators um, Chris go ahead you can lead us off for this one
1: so, uh, I, I talked about how with Dallas, I thought about doing two defensemen as the top two players. And with Nashville, oh, yeah? I am going to do two defensemen as their I best did two as players. Well. Roman well, Yossi and Ryan Ellis. In? I have yeah, Yossi first, Ellis page, second. Baby. Even yep, with Ellis being page. injured
0: this year. Same page. Roman um, Yeoman Yossi is my pick for the Norris Trophy. I know I'm probably going to get flamed for this because John Carlson had a terrific year. But yeah. Yossi played 26 minutes of ice time at night. Um, I think the only person that played more than him was Thomas Shabbat, who was playing like some stupid, crazy amount. It was like 20, almost 28 minutes out in Ottawa. But Yossi played an absolute ton over there um he led the team in scoring too he had 65 points in 69 games played for a defenseman leading your team in scoring that's pretty impressive and it was by 20 points like the next highest scorer was 20 points below that yeah um below a defenseman but yes he had a crazy year ryan Ellis, another underrated defenseman his fancy stats break the chart um you said he was injured this year, right?
1: Yeah, he was injured for a, a brief period of time. I think he missed the Winter Classic because of it. I can't remember if it was a concussion or yeah. maybe he got hurt that hurt game. I think, I think, yeah, yeah, he got hurt in the Winter Classic. He it got the a concussion. Tr- it was Corey Perry in like the first five minutes of the game and he got ejected. Yeah. I like remember five that. minutes into a, the Winter Classic.
0: Yep, yeah, it was a brutal hit. They slapped him with a five and 10 and he went off and Ellis missed some time with a concussion. And my last guy was Mr. Matt Duchesne. People forget he's on Nashville. I mean, <laughs> I mean he signed that big contract in the off season. That whole team was just a mess this year. Uh, like we talked yeah. about, Lobby Left did better than him, and Hines came over, and you know how mm-hmm. Hines plays, makes his teams play. So yeah,
1: I mean but, it, it, they had a good player. They still have like Forsberg and stuff like that. Um, it's just Rene isn't Rene anymore. I'm sorry, Nashville fans. Too. You know if if that hurts to hear, but Rene's not Rene. His time is coming. You um, can't Sarah escape for, as well Yeah, you can't escape father time. I mean, Scott or not Scott uh, Forsberg being moved up and down the lineup, and then basically the lineup just being all over the place when Hines took over. He basically yeah, did there what he be did ashamed, here.
0: <laughs> wasn't it a shame like skating on the fourth line at one point? I think Forsberg
1: crazy? was as as well at some point. Like it was, it was kind of crazy seeing yeah. the line combinations. Hines was throwing out there. I'm just like, okay, so, like so it's Mr. not Hines. just us.
0: <laughs> no, just Hines is a not Case, but moving on. Um, Minnesota Wild. I'm going to go first here because I think I have a pretty wild first pick. I don't know if Let's you, uh, you uh, have him up here. before. I see what you did there. Pick. Oh, I didn't even mean to do that, but good for me. I have Mr. Jared Spurgeon as oh, my okay. top player in the wild. All right. Um, He's... <laughs> Like his uh, rampum chart, and I refer to these when I refer to fancy charts. I'm talking about a player's rampum charts, RAPM. I get them off of evolvinghockey.com, it's a terrific website. They it's basically a chart, and it's like a standard deviation from the league average. and The first two or three bars are offensive stats. they goals four per 60, Corsi four per 60. And it's a bar chart and then the last two are defensive stats it's expected goals against per 60 and of course he against per 60. and they're just a really good metric on showing on uh, how when the players on the ice how the teams are forming and spurgeon's chart all the bars are like at the very top of the chart like one of the best expected goals per 60 i've seen breaking the chart he's great over there um playing 23 minutes of ice time and night. And he was also sixth in scoring on the team. He contributed 12 goals with the, uh, as a defenseman, which is pretty good.
1: Yeah, he and was Mr. a defenseman I wanted the Devils to target somehow if they could. I think he either, mm-hmm. he, didn't he recently get re-signed by Minnesota or like extended? I believe so. They had yeah. a little
0: problems with He one of those guys if
1: he hit free agency or like if he was on the market, I wanted the Devils to be in on.
0: Yeah, he's terrific. Um, my second guy, I got another defenseman, Ryan Suter. Uh, almost 25 oh, minutes. Double D of time. Here, eh? Yeah, almost 25 minutes of time on ice. Um, his fancy stats are fine. Um, second scoring on the team with 48 points in 69 games played. My last guy, I kind of went all over the place with this team. I got Eric Stahl last. I know there's some other offensive guys you could talk about on this team, but. All he does it all. He's been doing it all for a while. But yeah, those are my three. And on a complete tangent here, remember when the Flyers signed Ryan Sutter to a um yep. was it an offer sheet or something yeah, like was that? An offer sheet. Yep. And it was like a twelve year, a hundred and something million dollar contract. Like yep. it was ridiculous and the wild and not matching it but that happened a little while ago i don't think it was
1: uh the wild i think it was nashville it was back when he was in nashville oh, man, you're right. and uh that there's a whole taboo basically and if you read into this this is why people hate the offer sheet system and think it needs to be reworked is that general managers basically have like an unwritten code with each other where they won't you know do offer sheets because it's just like they they view it as a not nice thing to do and they just have like a mutual agreement about it i that's the cleanest way i can explain it
0: well yeah so, no i totally i totally get that and remember the montreal with the offer sheet what they did or uh carolina oh, they helped it helped was it out aho? big
1: time they, they helped carolina out big time with that it was aho right yeah it was aho they, they they all they offer sheeted them and um carolina like matched it within a couple hours because it was within the price range that they basically wanted to sign him for so instead of having to negotiate with Aho, like Aho agreed to an offer sheet with Montreal and Carolina, just turned around and was like, "Yep, that's what we want to pay him, so we'll just sign it."
0: <laughs> was it an offer sheet for Ryan Sutter though? Because I'm reading an article now, and it says that the Flyers that offseason made massive contract offers to Devils forward Zach Parise. Imagine Parise in a Flyers jersey! Oh my goodness, I,
1: uh, I couldn't. I, yeah. He couldn't do it either. He was between uh-huh. Minnesota and New Jersey, and it was yeah. basically he was trying to get Sutter to come to New Jersey too. They were built. They were. Both a package deal. I remember that they were either both going to Minnesota or they were both coming to New so, Jersey. And I remember reading reports like Parise had like Marty call Suter to come to New Jersey and everything. So, but I'm pretty sure it was, it was Ryan Suter. You're right on who they offer sheeted, but it was when he was in Nashville. It wasn't when he was in Minnesota. You know what? It was. not Ryan Ray It was Che Weber. Uh, Weber. Yeah, yeah. I I just thought of that to him like the other. Chay Weber. Yeah. I got them. I got my
0: Nashville defenseman confused, but um yeah shea weber it was a 14 year 110 million dollar offer sheet with the flyers back in 2012 that's what i was thinking of but all right yeah a little tangent there but i think that's some fun history stuff a little shout out to Corey's now retired donuts and dynasty segment yep. but um who do you got top three for the wild here i gave mine i got spurgeon sutter and stall who do you have
1: so uh i i have Sutter, but he's my number two
0: yeah, uh, he's I'm, mine too. Is I'm going to
1: give some respect to Kevin Fiala for his season this year. You I'm going to have team. him at number one. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. And I think uh, when you think about Minnesota and their just improbable push to the playoffs, you know, without him, that's not even a, a reality. Yeah. Um, and then um, maybe a soft spot here, number three. I will put Mr. Parise. He had some respectable numbers this year. I don't believe injuries were as big of a deal this year as they have been in the past couple for him. Mm-hmm. So, and he's yeah, I, I love that style of play where it's a, you know, get in the dirty areas and and do what you can offensively. So,
0: so some more hockey news that I didn't refer to, but I saw I think happened in the past week. The Wild made their interim head coach their full-time head coach. Um, yeah, that's a so, good move. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think they should have fired Bruce Woodrow in the first place. Bruce Boudreau is a great coach in his own right. And when Alex came on the pod, like I think that was technically two episodes now, he explained how much he liked Boudreaux and thought he should have get a shot at the devil's job. But um, yeah, a little news for you there. And there's another tangent I wanted to go on with, uh, I think it was Sutter, but I forget it. So we're gonna move on now to the last team in a central, the Chicago Blackhawks. Um the first one's easy. Patrick Kane.
1: Yes, Cainer.
0: Um it's kind of crazy the output he does every year, and it's like not even that great of a black ops team anymore, and he still puts up a hundred points every single year. Like he's you're mm-hmm. not gonna see a player like this again for a while. Um he's just insane. But anyway. Second I have Mr. Taze. Now is Jonathan Taze um was his name always in the Selkie? Uh, I
1: believe so. Is that, was that him? Um, defensive forward.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna won the Sochi trophies in the Um I don't know how many times you want to put. I was just doing my thing on the evolving hockey and looking at those charts I mentioned before, and his defensive metrics are absolutely miserable. Like it's bad. Really. And I I assume it's just because one of these things he's getting older and whatnot, but. He was a Selkie winner at one time, and I have it in front of me now, and he won it once back in 2012 13, so that makes more sense. But oh, look at that. Pavel Datsuk won it three years in a row. Selkie, man. It's just the same names <laughs> over and over again. Patrice yeah, Bergeron's on here a thousand times. It's like the name Kopitar.
1: Same guys over <laughs> here.
0: Yeah. So I got Patty Kane, one. I got Taze, two. And three was kind of just a mess of decent forward, sod to and Kublek, the rookie I ended up picking Brandon sod his fancy stats were a little better than the bring it and he was only trailing them in points by a couple who'd you have third here out of those three or did yeah. you have a different player
1: uh so I I gave Kubrick the third spot um I don't think we need to go over a one and two. That's obviously Kane and Taze in that order. But I ended up going Kubelik uh, impressed with what he did as a rookie. I do agree with what you've said about Brandon Saad, and I think uh, DeBrinckit kind of took a step back this year uh, as someone who kind of banked on him as a fantasy pick. Thankfully, I didn't take him too early. Uh, but he did disappoint me a little bit in fantasy. And um, I, honestly, I think Chicago, their decor. Keith was all right um I think Seabrook was a big loss so. yeah Seabrook was a big loss and well he's I mean, miserable now
0: he's not good no more well I
1: think he had like a major injury this year that like forced he him did, to miss the, the entire season
0: even uh with the injury before the injury he was on um, his down climb but yeah their defense was an issue but, go ahead I'm sorry and I mean like <laughs> goaltending
1: wise they had they had Robin Leonard who's now in Vegas um they still yeah. have Corey Crawford, who is not going to be playing in the play, and I'm pretty sure they've ruled him out. Did um, they? I, I saw his name yeah. thrown out
0: there. I didn't know if they ruled him out or not. I, I, think,
1: I think they did rule out Corey Crawford. I can't remember if it's concussion-related or not, but I'm yeah. 99% certain that he's been ruled out.
0: Hey, you know what we got to do here is um, got to put out like a – a listing for like stats guy. And we're going to have this guy just sit on with us or girl. We don't discriminate. We're going to have them sit on with us. And whenever we have like a question that pops up, like, Oh, is who still playing for this team? Or is how much this guy getting paid? We're going to throw it to the stat guy and they're going to come in for us. So we don't have to keep looking mid, uh, mid podcast. And I think that'd be a keep little us fun gig. No, keep, keep, right. our,
1: keep us on our game.
0: Hey listeners, if any of you guys are into that, want to be our little stat guy, let us know. Maybe you could work something out, but All right, (laughs) that's enough of that. Um, So yeah, that's the teams in the Central. Chris, you have anything else to add here?
1: No, I mean, I think uh, the Central. It's it's going to be interesting. They are the smallest division by one team. They're the only team with seven teams.
0: Hey, that'll Um, be fixed
1: year or two once that all happened i mean it i don't know if it will because i've thought about that too i'm like okay so they have expansion oh, you're not gonna uh, put seattle in the central who do you move from the pacific oh to the central? they already announced
0: it they already announced this like a while ago i oh, think they a couple did? years ago they're shifting arizona over to the central and oh, Seattle's no moving way. into the pacific yeah they i uh, believe this is a, one of the first things they announced <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I, the thing is, I looked at the Pacific Division and I was like, all these teams should be in the Pacific Division. And I looked at Arizona. I'm like, OK, we'll move Arizona to the central. I'm like, but you have Arizona and Vegas like you would want those two teams to be in the same division because of proximity. Yeah, so, well,
0: I mean, Arizona is going to be four-minute rivalry with anyone. In the it Pacific, is what it is. I wasn't
1: happy with them moving Detroit out of the West, although uh, I know <laughs> it, that was a split decision too. So,
0: um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, so we'll we're going to keep coming back to this segment. Um, it won't be like a weekly thing, but we'll hit uh, the last two Eastern Conference divisions here in the next few weeks, we're going to move on now to check in with the rest of the 2019 draft class. We did a part one of this segment recently. We're going to do part two now and finish them off because this 2019 draft class was so big. And then we're going to give our final takes on how we think the 2019 draft class turns out to be. So we're going to start off fourth round, pick 118, Mr. Case McCarthy. Case McCarthy, a little background on him for you. He's a six foot one, 200 pounder, 19 year old defenseman. He played in the US Development Program and he committed to Boston University and he played there this year, 32 games, 12 points. Not bad for considered a freshman. A scouting report on him he's a defensive defenseman two-way potential he likes to use his body man these devil's defensemen they drafted love throwing their body around which i'm bringing the for. boom baby yeah so eustace's body like i said six foot one pretty good size he's already 200 pounds 19 year old hopefully that'll keep going up Skating, I read, is pretty solid for his size, which is good to see. You always need a solid skating defenseman so you can keep up when you're going against those fast forwards. And for some reason, I've read on numerous different profiles of his that he's a really good passer, which is also good to see. Um, The only thing with him is his offensive upside is limited, and that's the reason why he's not really regarded as anything too special. I think his ceiling, the best he could be, is like a bottom-pairing NHL defenseman with Good prowess on the PK. If not, he'll be a solid AHL guy, fourth round pick. Um, it just comes down to how he continues to progress at BU. You have anything to say about Case McCarthy here?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh overall, pretty impressive to see. Um, another guy out of that U.S. national development team program. Um, saw he played, I believe it was 32 games at BU, so he was dressing each game and, and getting nice time. Um, Plus minus, basically send around to zero again. You need you need more stats than just a plus minus, but usually that's at least a good baseline to understand yeah. whether they're out there more as a detriment or as a positive. So
0: Alright, we'll move on to a goaltender prospect that um, Forget about sometimes that the Devils took a goalie in this uh, plethora of different draft picks they had this year. Cole yeah. Brady was a fifth rounder, 127th overall. Brady's 19 year old kid, he's six foot five, huh? That's a tall kid. 175 pounds. You're going to want to see that poundage get up, though. A six foot five frame, but 175 pounds is a interesting size. But he was in the USHL with Fargo. He only had a 903 save percentage. I think that's fine given the type of league the USHL are. Usually, those type of junior leagues, um, you see save percentages a little lower, and that'll be like the average. Um, I think 903 is still slightly below average, and he's a young kid um he was 18 19 when he's putting his numbers up probably having the committed, time of
1: his life out in arizona
0: well yeah he is committed to play college hockey at arizona state university um he hasn't started there yet i'm assuming his freshman year will be this next hockey season whenever that may occur as for the scouting report with brady um he's regarded as a guy with pretty good potential but like a really 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 low floor like there's a, there's a chance he just doesn't become anything, which happens with these goaltender prospects, especially once you get later into the draft. Um, for me, hopefully he contributes in the AHL one day, but I don't think it will ever turn out into anything special in the NHL. It just really largely depends. It's honestly too early to tell. you got to see the numbers he puts up in Arizona State and college.
1: Yeah, yeah Chris, sure. I
0: know you're the more the college hockey guy. So Arizona State, they got a program a few years back, right? They're a relatively new program, and – Aren't they absolutely electric for how new they are?
1: Oh I'm yeah. Be wrong. I mean they've they've had a they've had a college hockey program for a long time, um, but it was uh, always ACHA, and they were. Uh, eventually, I think the way they transitioned is they had some exhibition games against NCAA teams. They have beaten them, <laughs> and and they were at least competing with them. I, I think they won a couple of the games, but they were at least competitive. And uh, that that school, I mean, you don't hear it, but they're they're turning into a hockey powerhouse. I mean, they're holding their own. Yeah, um, that's
0: what I thought. I heard. It's not that's
1: like right. UAH, which we mentioned, like I think in the first episode, um, University of Alabama uh, Huntsville. Is, they kind of struggle uh, okay. a little bit more. Uh, but Arizona State, man, they are electric. Um, I would I would gladly cheer for the Sun Devils if I saw them in the uh, Frozen Four. Uh, another unfortunate sport we have lost this season. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, my team is obviously Penn State for college hockey, um, but if Arizona State ever made, it, I would definitely pull for them. They're fun.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Brady does down in uh, good old Arizona State. Whatever stereotypes you want to associate with that school, but we'll move big, on. Big party school. <laughs> um, so Patrick Monahan's the next. So Arseni Gritsyuk, um, who we spoke about. I believe, on the last episode, um, we gave a little update on him because he was recently named to uh, the U-20 Russian national team for the little tournament they're having over in Sochi. Um, He's the fifth round, 129th overall selection, two picks after Brady. Uh, We won't talk about him because we did pretty in-depth when we spoke about that news. Seems like he's going to be a really good prospect, um, really good snag guy you picked there in the fifth round. Moving on, Patrick Monaghan, sixth round. Uh, 158th overall Monahan, another good value pick here He's a 19-year-old center 5'11", 183 pounds, pretty good size for a pretty good weight for a 5'11 kid Um, Hopefully he just keeps getting stronger there down the middle
1: We went Uh, heavy on those U.S. National Development Team kids in the later rounds
0: So he's at Providence now playing with um, good buddy Tyson Thompson who we spoke about um, and we know Tice Thompson, he's going to be an electric prospect, hopefully, if he continues on the route. He's continuing. Monaghan had a really good season in his own right for a kid that was drafted in the sixth round. Yeah, 21 not bad. points in 34 games, which is a solid output. And once again, Providence was really good. Um, they scored the puck really well, so who knows if that numbers are inflated by that. But it'll be interesting to see how he does next year. For me, I have him inside the top 25 of Devil's prospects. I believe he is the only one on this list besides Grisuk that I had in the top 25 that we're talking about tonight. Um, yeah, Monaghan, I think he could develop into maybe a guy that could tribute in the NHL one day, depending how the rest of the time as Providence goes. But I think he'll be a solid AHL player at the very least. It's Everything just, it's
1: very exciting to talk about prospects for the longest time we couldn't it was like yeah uh, yeah maybe this one guy maybe this, this one guy that's it maybe now it's like oh we got this guy this guy he's 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 doing crazy stuff it's just it's fun to be able to actually talk about prospects
0: yeah no 100% I totally agree there uh, last guy we're going to speak about and the last guy that was in this huge draft class is a seventh round pick 189 overall and the devil's nailed this pick too. 19 year old Swedish forward he could play center he's a left winger five foot ten 187 pounds a little bit on the smaller side he played in ausfisken (laughs) butchered that but it's basically the ahl equivalent for sweden um it's right below the shl so in that league um i'm sorry i don't have the stats for that but i do have the stats for the super elite which was he played in last year 36 points in 33 games. And the super elite is the equivalent of junior hockey here in America and Canada. So in that league, 36 points, 33 games, that's really good output. And he did get SHL time, which is, of course, the top league in Sweden, but only had two points in 15 games. And that was last year as well. And this year's where he played in Six Ken, which is a Swedish like AHL equivalent. I think for a seventh-round pick, he's a sneaky, solid value pick. Um, I think he has a chance to turn into something. We'll see. He's already 19 years old. I'm sure he'll make his way over to the U.S. to the Devils.
1: Definitely a solid pick in the seventh round, for sure. Yeah, it's all about
0: value in the seventh round. That's exactly what they found. He's got two bronze
1: medals from World Juniors, U18 and U20, I believe. So... And the scouts seem to like a lot of his game. I mean, see if it keeps developing further. But seventh round, when you're kind of almost throwing at a dartboard, I think they did a good job nailing this one so far.
0: Yeah, so that's all the draftees that were in this class. And if you missed the first part, it's, I believe, episode seven. Yeah, I think we did this the last episode as well. Go back, listen to that one. You'll hear our first part in it. And to summarize the class, we'll give our closing opinions here before we move on to the next segment. For me, when they first drafted it, I wasn't the biggest fan. I thought they had a lot of picks, and I thought they could have used them better, whether it be moving them for someone or even the picks they were taking. I thought some of these guys were reaches. But now when you look back on it, I think they got a lot of value, especially later on. And I like their approach with the type of defenseman they drafted. The devil system is one that lacked decent defensive prospects, and they filled that void here for the most part with the guys they drafted in the early parts around, like the Wojcic, the Miesel, um even McCarthy, and I'm forgetting another good name. He was earlier in the draft. But, yeah, I think they did a good job overall. Um, Cole Brady is a pick that I really didn't understand. That's really the only one that's glaring out to me that I'm like, eh. But besides that, I think it was a fine draft. Chris, what's your final thoughts here with this yeah, draft? Yeah, I mean,
1: the scouts earn their money. I mean, obviously you, you expect to get good players in the first and second round, but you really pay your scouts for the later rounds being able to hit those picks. And it just seems like they've at least hit it to the point where these players aren't busts. You know, they, they have the potential uh, to make it and All turn it into something. Uh, I I definitely remember that we went heavy U.S. national development team. That was like my first reaction, um, and and I was surprised that uh, we've built up the defensive part of the the system so well, because um, you know the whole the whole system was basically barren at one point. Um, and like you said, we, we've got a lot of really good young kids in the system, uh, including I believe another one we're going to talk about here in a little bit. So
0: I wonder who that is but um yeah good stuff here we're gonna i, I think the segment's great and we're definitely going to keep going with it we'll start talking about the 2018 draft class um not next week because we got a special episode we'll talk about later coming next week but after that we'll definitely get this segment back in and we'll keep going back with each draft class and that, uh past couple years and just check in and see how these guys are doing but we're gonna move on to more prospect talk uh we're gonna bring it back to my corner a little prospect corner action for you like i said we're gonna talk about two germans and a swede we're gonna start off there with the swede mr noah Gunler, 18 year old right winger six foot two 190 pounds solid size to him and he's played his whole career like junior career in the swedish junior system his draft minus one season he had 46 points in 31 games, 27 of which were goals. He also played in that season in the SHL towards the end of the year because he performed so well in the Super Elite. He played only 15 games and had five points. And keep in mind, I mean, at this point, draft minus one, he's a 17, 16-year-old kid playing against men, so he wasn't playing a lot. He only had five points and a plus four rating. Um, Those five points were actually more than the outputs of Lucas Raymond and Alexander Holtz in their draft minus one short stints with the SHL and also his super elite uh, contributions, which I just talked about in the season, the 46 points and 31 games. That's also more than Holtz and Raymond in their draft minus one seasons. This year, he got promoted to the SHL full time, 45 games, 13 points, Four goals, nine assists, and a plus 12 rating, which is good. I mean, you got to keep in mind here, the SHL, like I said, professional league. um, You're playing against men. Kids only 17, 18 years old. The output's fine. He probably wasn't getting a lot of play time, but – that's his stats. We're going to move on to his strengths and weaknesses. His strengths, his shot is electric. It's lethal. It rivals Jack Quinn and Alexander Holtz, both prospects we've talked great in depth about, both of which have great shots, goal scoring abilities, and Gunler's abilities rivals these two as the best in the draft. And his shot's great, but what makes him such a good goal scorer is his instincts. Offensively, he's always finding where the open areas are on the ice to have his teammates set him up. He scores a lot of easy goals in front, um, driving the net garbage goals. He likes to use that framey ass, get in front, score them dirty goals you like to see. And like I said, he has a, the shot to be a sniper if he needs to be as well, which is good. Um, playmaking ability. It's pretty underrated. Um, he, a big thing with Gunler is all of his, a lot of his production comes in high danger areas. Uh, our friends over at, um, Scouting, he does a great job with these really in depth videos. Um but he explained how high danger he actually tracked them and his high danger percentages were really high, one of the better in draft class, so that's good to see. And the last thing I want to talk about is strengths is he likes to use a six foot two frame, board battles, wins those often. So moving on now, um we're gonna talk about his weaknesses. Um, biggest thing with Gundler is inconsistency, uh, whether it be defensively or offensively. Sometimes he just makes a bad pass, turns the puck over. But defensively, his main area of weakness with the inconsistency. And it just comes down to work ethic, getting your mind right. Um, he's smart in the offensive zone, so he could be smart in the defensive zone. Maybe he just gets lazy there. As some people just don't like playing defense. And I'm sure Gundler is going to learn that that's how it has to be. So I'm sure he'll figure it out. Gunler overall is an extremely high ceiling. Um, his floor is a little bit below average. I don't think it's the lowest floor. It's not like William Wall under risk there, but Gunler I think is going to turn in be a fine prospect. If his ceilings hit, he could be a top 10 player in this draft. If not, he won't be as good, but I don't think he's going to be a complete bust. Um, Mid-first round pick, I have him 14th in my top 30 rankings. Chris, do you have anything on Gunler here?
1: Just nothing other than what you've already mentioned with the scouts. I mean, they say he's uh, pretty good at finding the open ice, as all good goal scorers do. Um, then, mentioning he's got a really good shot and a good release, good goal scoring yeah.
0: He does indeed have those things. So, we're gonna move on to our first of two German-born players, Lucas Reichel, six foot, 170 pound, left wing, 18 years of age, and this season he played in the German top league, the DEL. And this is like Counterparts Tim Stutzel The consensus Second or third Overall pick And likely third And John Jason Paterka Who's the last player We're going to speak about Also playing the Dell He had pretty good Production in the Dell And keep in mind I said Like I said um, Dell is the top League in Germany So he's playing Against men uh, Some Maybe twice his age you know? Um, you know A lot of these Prospects are He In 42 games He had 24 points Which is solid <laughs> output For a young kid That's 12 goals 12 assists so for players under the age 18, this point total is the fourth most in league history, which is a little cool stat for you. And I just want to reiterate, um, say the Dell compared to like the SHL and the KHL and these other top leagues don't come anywhere in comparison in terms of play level. But nothing to take away from um. Stutzel, Paterka, Reichel's output in these leagues. I mean, still great to see them putting up these types of numbers against men. Still impressive, but just want to make a note there about the, the play and the quality over in that league. With his DL team, I mean, he served in the top six role, which is kind of crazy. I mean, imagine being the guy playing on the third and fourth line. You have this kid that's 18, 17 years old playing above you in the top six. but. That's how it was. He played in the 2020 World Junior Championship for Germany, five points in seven games, solid output. Now let's get to his strengths and weaknesses. Strengths, offensive game, he's an offensive player. Awareness and offensive sense are his two greatest traits. Um, As we talked about before with Gundler, the big thing here with Reichel is getting to those open areas, nice, high-danger areas. He's smart. He knows how to position himself for chances, so that's one of the biggest strengths there. Skating ability is also pretty good. His straight-line speed is terrific, and he's one of the fastest guys in the entire draft, and it comes to straight-line speed, but he could also do those things that Chris has harped on that are so important, like skating on your edges and all that good stuff, and he also has a above-average puck handle. Weaknesses, raw player. He needs to develop more. Um, still a few years away from um, coming over and being a contributor. Um, and also, it's funny. I don't. I didn't group him like this. But another issue here is consistency, as we just talked about with Gunler. His and this is specifically why his defensive game is a work in progress. Um, Reichels and. So he needs to work there, just be more consistent in the defensive game will come. He is good size in terms of height. He's six foot, but as I said, he's only 170 pounds. So you want to get a little more stronger there. And you can even tell watching his tape, he gets knocked off pucks sometimes and uh, stuff like that. And yeah, that's his weaknesses there. Reichel is your classic high ceiling prospect, um, really high potential. His floor is pretty low. It is lower than Mr. Gunler's, and that's why I have Reichel... Ranked below uh, Gunler, if he gets a good coach that coaches him up defensively, helps with his awareness, positioning, all that good stuff, he's going to be a solid player, and I think someone's going to get him for good value. He'll probably go later first round in those 20s numbers. For me, I have him 23rd on my board. I could see him a fit for New Jersey. I mean, he's a scoring left winger, and that's what the Devils need in their system um maybe if the Vancouver pick slides back that would be a good spot there if there's no one else on the board but yeah that's Lucas Reichel so we're going to move on to our last and final German prospect um John Jason Paterka JT Paterka 18 year old right winger 5'11 192 pounds he is German but he played a lot of his junior hockey in the Czech junior system and to keep it simple, the Czech junior system compared to these other systems is not good. <laughs> you're going to see these numbers, and I'm going to read that junior, and you're like, oh, my God, is this guy the next coming of Connor McDavid? No. I mean, it's just the junior system there. It's, if you're a good player, you're going to put up really, 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 really good numbers. So the first thing in the junior system, um, this point per game average was the highest in league history. And keep in mind, there's 2,000 players in this league. In history, so his number one out is two thousand players. In the Czech U19 league, he played in his draft minus one season. His stats were just silly. He had forty five goals and forty nine assists in only forty eight games. Um, so you do the math there as ninety something points in forty eight games, which is a crazy output. But yeah, that's just a Czech league not being not being all that competitive. And like I said, nothing to take away from Petrka, but the league's just not as good. Um. And you can probably deduct this, the highest total ever posted in the league was this number, and it led the league by 15 points. So he was in the Dell this season, like Reichel and like Stutzel. He put up the least amount of points of the three, only 11 in 42 games. And Reichel, as we mentioned, 24 in 42, and Stutzel put up 34 in 41. Worth noting, though, both played way more than uh, Praterka did. And lastly, paterka the reason why he kind of gained all this traction and people recognize his name and he slid into the first round is his performance at the World Junior Championships. He had six points in seven games, which was second on Team Germany. So we'll get into his strengths and weaknesses real quick. His strengths, he's an all-around talent. There's no, like, glaring weaknesses for this guy. Skating, goal-scoring ability, and hockey sense are the big three. Um, he's a goal scorer. His goal totals have always been higher than his assist totals um, throughout juniors for the most part. So, playmaking-wise, it's pretty underrated, too. I know I didn't mention that in the three ones I just mentioned, but you also got to take into account this kid's playmaking ability is pretty good. Solid passer. his weaknesses? It, uh, this, this has come up with a couple players, but since Paterka doesn't have anything that, like, out at you, the thing is is that could be considered a weakness just because his your eye might not catch them if he doesn't do one thing elite um defensively you can pick up but he's actually pretty solid in this area um does need a little work but numbers and as i said he was playing the weak league so those numbers could be inflated a bit his Opposite of the first two prospects I talked about, his floor is pretty high and his ceiling is a little tapered just because of the fact he doesn't do anything elite. If he develops elite trait, I mean, he's going to be an absolute steal here at the end of the first round. At worst, high floor, like I said, bottom six depth score. If he progresses well, he could be more than that. But I think he's one of the safer picks in the first round, believe it or not. Um, I have him 26th out of my top 30 prospects. And like I said, late first round. Pick. Okay, I know you guys love listening to me talk about prospects for that long when we have these segments, but I think it's I think it's a cool, little uh, stats inform you about first round picks and the Devils or first round prospects and Devils have potentially three picks. But we're gonna move on now. Last segment of the night: the Devils pending free agents segment like i said we're going to talk about three restricted guy or two restricted guys tonight they're both defensemen it's the last restricted free agents out in binghamton and the last free agents overall because we talked about the ufas in binghamton a few weeks back so we're going to be speaking about josh jacobs my dude and colton white so i'm gonna start here with colton white first um, a lot of people think Colton White's a really solid prospect. Um, I don't really see it. I've watched Binghamton a lot. I have the little package they have, which is a great deal, by the way. If you want to watch Binghamton hockey, I think it was only like forty bucks for the whole season. But just watching him, I don't, I don't really think he's going to be anything that um, anything special. Um, I mean, I could I be totally wrong, you. but
1: and nothing um, really stands out or jumps out too much. Mm-hmm. I don't have him in the
0: top. 25 of prospects in the double system. Uh, Some people do, some people don't. I don't. Um, Maybe one day he could develop into like a bottom pairing NHL guy. I think for the most part, he's just going to be a solid NHL guy because he is. Binghamton's one of their better defensemen, probably like a top four guy down there. But yeah, that's Colton White. Um, Just a stats from Binghamton this year 45 games. His point production wasn't all that great. Um, he did play 16 for the Devils, um, and when he played, it wasn't pretty. But he's young. Who knows? We'll see. And just like I said last week or whenever we talked about this segment last, when we're talking about restrictive free agents here, there's like a 95% chance they're going to get tendered and we will be back next year on one-year contracts. So expect White to be back. Just wanted to give you a little update on him. Chris, enough of me talking. you have anything you want to say uh, about White?
1: I mean, nothing that we already didn't cover. Uh, the, he came up, played a couple games. Um, nothing really stood out or jumped out to you too much. But, you know, anything can happen with another year. He's going to have an extended offseason to uh, hopefully work on his game like uh, a lot of other players are around the league who aren't going to be playing in these plans. ins um, Hopefully, you know, I'd love to see every prospect we have take that next step forward. Uh, Hopefully that ends up being the case with Colton White, but I don't think so far we've really seen anything that jumps out and grabs your attention, so.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Last guy, my dude. Josh Jacobs. I've grown to be a big Josh Jacobs this guy.
1: This who I was referring to earlier, man, when you were saying, I wonder who we're going to talk about.
0: <laughs> no, all right. Yeah, Josh Jacobs is my dude. Um, not Oakland Raiders running back Josh Jacobs now. Don't get him confused. This is the Josh Jacobs, the minor league defensive prospect for the New Jersey Devils. In my opinion, he's been the best defensive for Binghamton the past couple years now. Um, defensive defenseman has solid skating for a defensive defense and can chip in offensively somewhat. I think he has a real solid chance if the Devils give him a prolonged shot to develop into a bottom-parent PK guy and serve that role really, really well. 24 years old now, so I think if he gets a chance, it's going to happen this year or next year. Um, if not, it's unfortunate because I really think this guy has the tools to be something decent at the NHL level. Chris, you want to add anything to my boy, Mr. Josh Jacobs?
1: So we saw both Jacobs and White make appearances uh, in the show this year, and uh, mm-hmm. I did like what we saw out of Jacobs in the time that he had up here. Um, I don't think necessarily points-wise it was something that jumped out at you, but it was just the way he played defensively. He held his own, um, and I think, he, I think legitimately he has a shot of making the team next season out of camp. Um, he's definitely going to be pushing for a roster spot, in my opinion. He, he could end up back in Bing, um, but I see him really being one of those last guys that gets cut next season. Uh, in terms of not making the pros and being sent down to Bing, so I'm really excited. I've I've been excited about him for a while. Uh, James has been more excited about him than I have. He's, he, you know, James has mentioned Josh is one of his favorite prospects, and us uh, we we all know that. So um, hopefully he he impresses and, and continues this trajectory that we all see him going on.
0: I just want to like set the record straight here. Josh Jacobs is by no means going to turn into this like top four guy that the Devils have been longing for. He's like at the best, he's going to be a bottom pairing PK guy, and I think he can fit that role really well. And that's why I want to see him get a chance. I don't know if he'll necessarily win a roster spot out of camp just because that like seventh D role is clogged up by like so many guys like Carrick and um the mueller and
1: i agree but i think he'll, like he'll definitely help with the competition hundred, he'll be in 100
0: i think he should get a real shot i think he's a better player than connor carrick and Mirko mueller but that's not saying much but anyway um yeah that's all we got this episode Little duo episode here we're gonna hear from us two more often here we'll Running of course duos, have guests on, but. I think we're going to be some duos here in the future. Um, I think it worked well. Nice time and all that good stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, For next week. We're going to have hockey back soon, baby. We're going to have hockey back soon.
0: We do. No more MLS and foreign soccer. But... (laughs) Next week we're going to have a little special – It's I guarantee it's going to be on the longer side. We're going to have our boy George come on. Um, he's a writer over at Devil's Army blog with us. He's actually preparing um, – keep your eyes out. I don't think it's going to be published this week. Probably next week. There's going to be a couple of pieces he writes based on basically his previews and predictions for the return to play, the round robin, as well as the actual like playoffs, first rounds if you want to call it. He'll join us next week, and we're doing a full blown preview predictions of every matchup in the first round, whether it be round robin play or the seeded matchups. We're gonna talk about that. We might get a little de- uh, degenerate on this episode. Maybe bring um, the retired <laughs> bar down bets back. Uh, give our give our inputs on if you if you're a betting guy um who you might want to be laying some beans on or whatever i think it's gonna be a fun long episode a lot of good debates but that's what's in stop for next week all right i got nothing else for you i i think chris might have one more thing anything left to say to the listeners chris
1: just one big thing um let's go devils
0: Yes, sir. All right. Have a good week. Everyone stay safe out there. Talk to you guys soon.